0: And welcome to episode 172 of a Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. How do you react to the question, mom, I'm hungry or dad, what's for dinner? What is that like for you? I know for me, um, I'm a mom of an eleven year old and a six year old. And you know what? by the end of the day, especially at dinner time, I am tired, my patience is out. and it's like nails on the chalkboard thinking about making anything. Here's a little secret about me. I don't like cooking at all. I know I'm the weirdest dietitian that's already well established, but I really, really don't enjoy cooking. So, you know, I just have to do what I got to do. And there's been struggles for sure over the years. And I've had to really practice compassion and call out my perfectionism when it's rearing its ugly head. But you know what? It is what it is. And I have a letter for you today from someone who has a complicated relationship with food because they were brought up by someone who was in the throes of chaotic eating, dieting, eating disorder kind of behavior And while they recognize that they really weren't taught the tools toward food peace, they know that they need to do it differently for their family. And it's really loud and hard at the same time because we need to feed our family, especially for the primary caregivers. We need to feed our family many times throughout the day, every single day. And when we don't have the foundation that includes a neutral or positive relationship with food, well, that's going to be stressful and not just stressful every once in a while, many, many, many times throughout the day. So I cannot wait to dive into this letter. We also get to hear from the guest expert, Rachel Goodman. She is someone that I had the opportunity to a chat with a number of months ago on her podcast. And so I wanted to have her on because she has so much wisdom and insight, especially around how to provide for yourself as a, as someone who is trying to take care of your family and also trying to work towards peace with food. But before we get to that, I want to share with you a new project that I am working on, and I cannot wait to share all the details with you. Have you listened to the Love Food Podcast and finished an episode and wanted more, wanted more clarity, more discussion on certain topics? Well, I have gotten messages from you over the years wanting to find other ways to support the show and connect with the show, which honestly is just so kick-ass. Thank you for supporting me in all the ways you have. And I wanted to make something different for you, something more. So you can get to these mini episodes that I'm starting to put together. They're weekly mini episodes on very popular topics that you have provided that you want to explore more. And I'm calling it the After the Letters Project. I have decided to put it on Patreon. So in case you don't want to do a monthly kind of membership kind of thing with listening to more episodes, there are other ways that you can financially support the show. I have decided that I'm no longer going to search for sponsors or ads for the show. I looked for a really long time and was approached by many different companies, but honestly, they just conflicted too much with the mission that we are on, you know, helping all of us on our food peace journey. And so, I just had to take it into my own hands and figure out another way. So, get to all the information at patreon.com/lovefoodpodcast. If you do enjoy the show and want to help share it with other people, that is always welcome and I always appreciate it. Leaving a rating review or subscribing or sharing the show helps the show grow and it's a free way to do it and I appreciate it in advance. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter and hear from our friend, guest expert, Rachel Goodman. Dear food, the worst question my children can ask me is, what's for dinner? It's a daily assault on my desire to avoid thinking about you all together. For me to answer my children's question, I need to have thought about you. What would be tasty? What my children would like? What will nourish them? And then when I have thought about you, I then have to prepare you. I find this utterly overwhelming and exhausting down to my bones. Did you notice I don't ask myself, what would I like to eat? I don't know the answer to that question. I am so divorced from you that I don't know what I would want when I feel hungry. And food, so you know, I have felt hungry for as long as I can remember. Here's what I do know about you, food. I know that it's not my fault I am fat, and it's not your fault either. I feel like we got off on the wrong foot. My mom was scared of you, food and did the things women do to keep you at bay. She did the best she could with what she had, but it's left its mark. I watched and I felt constrained and angry. So I very angrily and defiantly ate what I wanted, but eating because you're angry doesn't lead to food peace either. I talk about you so positively with my kids and I put on such a cheerful, food-neutral voice of dinner and lunch and breakfast and snacks and all the times that seem to talk about food. My children will never, ever know that you and I don't really get on. That is a promise. But truthfully, I want to not think about you. You make me so anxious and demoralized. Do you think you and I might be able to make peace? Sincerely, Mom Secretly Searching for Food Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger
1: app.
0: Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for this note. And I know there are many caregivers out there who can totally relate to the struggle. And I know it gets complicated when you have been brought up with a very complicated relationship with food. I really think what you're doing to help your family just not carry on this tradition of chronic dieting and body hate is so very important. So in order to really dive deep into your letter, I'm going to give a call to Rachel Goodman. She's a dietitian that I got to know when I was on her podcast called Beyond the Food. And Rachel is someone that helps a lot of moms with similar relationships with food to find a way how to just survive this kind of transition. So let's go ahead and give Rachel a call. Hey, Rachel, Julie Duffy Dillon here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm great. And I'm so excited to chat with you again. I had so much fun chatting on your podcast,
1: uh, Beyond the Food. And I'm glad we have a chance to talk again and go through this letter. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited to be on your podcast because I've actually listened to it. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're so very welcome. So did you get a chance to, to sit with this letter and read through it? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think just so much of it um, will also resonate with other moms who are struggling um, with their body image and dieting and trying to give something better to their kids. So I'm excited to dive in.
0: Yeah. You know, when I read the letter as a mom, I'm like... I do feel like the nails on the chalkboard too, when they're like, what's for this meal? You know, what's appetizing? Oh my
1: God, yes. Oh, I don't <laughs> I want to do it again. It's <laughs> so related to that. And we're going to totally talk about that for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. So when you were reading it, what did you,
1: what was your like general impression about what this person's experiencing? Um, I think just overall f- frustration and ex- exhaustion put together. And I think that's um, some of it's just common as being a mom, because I think motherhood is the hardest job. Um, And I don't say that in a cliche way, like constantly judging ourselves and wanting the best for our children. And that just makes it harder when you're struggling with your own self-judgment on your food and body. And so I just sense a lot of like frustration and judgment, but like wanting better. Like she's aware that there is something better, which is already a step forward.
0: Mm, What do you, what do you picture as that, that better? Like what is, what is she connecting to?
1: So I think it's the fact that she is giving her children already a better foundation with food Mm -hmm. and knowing that that's what should be normal and recognizing that what she went through, um, That pain and that narrative she was given as a child that damaged her relationship with food is not the right way. It's not normal, Um, and so she knows there's something better because she's giving that to her children, even though she may be struggling. Which is again already, you know, a step forward because she recognizes that awareness is the first step to everything.
0: Yeah, for sure. I you know just hearing you talk about that, it was a complexity of the letter. I didn't really. I didn't like see right away. And, and, um, you know, what I hear from that is connecting with like the grief of, I never have, I never had what I'm trying to give these kids of mine and how that sad that is for my childhood,
1: you know, like that's, that's hard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think it's so many times and she actually talks about, um, eating out of anger or defiance. And I think acknowledging that and allowing herself to feel that and know that I think, and I find this also, um, with other people who've had, cause she said her, her family and the way she grew up set this like unhealthy example with food, which is kind of sounds like what she's angry about that it led her to this place. Um, And I think a lot of people who, where it started in childhood, they get to adulthood and they get so angry at themselves. But if you're able to acknowledge that, you didn't choose that narrative. You didn't choose for someone to tell you at the age of 10 that your body is an issue or that you, you know, are demonizing food or to stop eating sweets or whatever it is that caused you to have an unhealthy relationship and struggle right now. It's not your fault and allowing yourself to feel that anger, but don't direct it at yourself. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and know that you didn't choose this narrative, but you can write the next chapters if you just allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling without judgment. That's even that is the tiniest step forward.
0: I think that's really important because when I read the letter too, um, they're almost. I was connecting with like the anger and the resentment and uh, almost a rejection of like, well, if I'm eating out of anger, then that's not. Helping me move forward on my journey towards food peace. And my reaction was like, well, why isn't it? You know, it's an acknowledgement of the anger and acceptance of it, which acceptance isn't a bad thing. It's like permission to. Yeah, like you didn't choose that narrative. Like you said, I think that was really powerful when you when you said that. And um, if you if we don't acknowledge it and accept it, I feel like that's just going to make it brew and like oh justify,
1: for know? sure. And when you don't accept it and you're just stuck in that anger, then you pile on the judgment on yourself of like, yeah. why can't I stop being angry? And all of that kind of inhibits your ability to learn, to be curious, to be present, and to move forward. So. Yeah just knowing it's okay to be angry and not judging that and letting yourself just experience the moment. Because that's really what mindfulness is. It's not necessarily eating like your salad perfectly to fullness. It's, you know, it's like experiencing the moment. If you let yourself experience the moment in whatever positive or negative way it's feeling, you can then remove the judgment and learn. And from there, move forward. I think that is so powerful
0: because I really hesitate to use the word mindfulness because... Yeah, I guess you do too. Because people I think, and you know, people that I've worked with over the years, and I think myself included, there's this like hidden kind of rule mm-hmm. of mindfulness, that it's like a, a trick to get us to eat less. And that's not what I think the intention is with mindfulness. It is it's more compassion and acceptance with where we are.
1: Be, you know, for so, sure. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like a term that was hijacked by Thai yeah. culture. Of if you're mindful, then you can eat less and then lose weight. Like, that's kind of the intention, but mindfulness doesn't work like that. Like, you can't decide what the outcome is. You have to be present to let the, to realize what the outcome will be just from letting it play out by being present than like deciding beforehand what the outcome will be. Mm,
0: yeah. Oh, that's so important. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Well, yeah. so considering everything that this person's going through, which again, like this long term complicated relationship with food because of the cards that they were just handed, you know, and then seeing how that was harmful and then wanting to do better with their next generation. Um, what would you recommend to someone who's going through this, either the letter writer or someone else that you maybe connect with in real life? Like, what would you say are some first few steps?
1: So I would say this, this letter had two components to it. One is just, you know, the practical aspect of preparing dinners, uh, which I know it's kind of this thing. I don't know what it is. Like as a mom also, you know, dinners happen every single night. It's not like you don't make dinners ever. And yet every night it's like, what am I making for dinner? Or like, maybe you plan the week and then the next week it's like, I don't know, dinner just seems to be this like big thing. Thing. Um, and so there's the aspect of just like the practical aspect of preparing dinner. And it sounds like the stress, it sounds like that because she had an unhealthy relationship with food growing up, she really wants to give her children, um, you know, the best, most optimal, positive environment with food, which is great. But perhaps based on her language, like when my children ask me what I want, it's like it has to be tasty and they'd like and nourish them, or like almost all this pressure that it needs to be perfect for them um kind of giving them what you didn't have mm-hmm. so I think just starting off with relieving yourself of that pressure where you know what if not every meal has to be exactly all the things they like or they don't even have to be necessarily cooked every single night as long as your children have at least one or two things that you know for sure they're going to eat right because they're also eating breakfast and lunch like dinner's not Everything. It's big, um, but it's not everything. So, what if you just relieved yourself of that pressure where it doesn't have to be perfect? to exactly what they like. And I think that's also um, healthier f- for them to know to adapt as well, because in, when people learn to intuitively, I think they have this idea of, I always have to have the exact satisfying meal. And part of eating intuitively is also being flexible in knowing that it's okay if not every single one is perfectly to my satisfaction, because, you know, as long as I'm giving my body what it needs and there's a new meal and a new opportunity to enjoy what I like. And so firstly, reducing that pressure of having it perfect for the kids. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And I, um, I I think
0: a lot about like the cycles of generational kind of habits, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, when those of us who are brought up in certain dynamics and environments, we acknowledge like, oh, that was a harmful thing. And you kind of see the other sides and the nuances. I think a lot of times our reaction is to be the polar opposite and to be really kind of like perfectionistic in a different way. And that's what I was wondering too. Although like a part of the struggle, like you and I were saying, we're like, oh my gosh, it's so relatable. But that's also part of what probably makes it harder because the perfectionism is going to be so constant and like exhausting because yeah, we need to eat all the time. And you know, the thing about dinner too, I, I think it was probably in an Ellen Satter book, um, I'll put some links to her stuff in the show notes, but like an Ellen Satter book along the way when I was, you know, even though I was already a dietitian, when I started my family, I still needed to reread a lot of books because of the perfectionism and like wanting to do it just right. But she mentioned in there, especially when our kids are young or I I mean, my my oldest is in middle school. So I don't know if, I mean, she still is this way too, but like, they're eating all day long. And so as adults, I think we have we have this picture of this dinner, especially to be this like big, magical, like this is the yeah. family time, which I mean, yeah, there's family time, but like it's gonna be this big impressionable thing. And and she's like, don't sweat dinner as much because kids are tired by then. We're tired by then. And there was something about that permission for me that I was like, I just can't worry about it that much. And when I worry about it, I think that's the part that's gonna hurt my like the family kind of experience because the me as a mom is, um, distracted and getting in that perfectionistic kind of tailspin. So, um, yeah. So when you were saying all that, I was like, Oh, those are like the words I need to hear too. Thank you.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Cause then you can also be present. And by the way, this is so funny that we're talking about this now, because yesterday I had that moment that, that, scenario. I happened to stay longer at my sister's house. We went to visit her and we were with the kids and we got home really late and I had dinner that I planned to make, but I wasn't home all day. So I didn't make it. And so, you know what? They had leftover pasta from the day before. They had cottage cheese. I cut up some avocado and tomatoes and that was their dinner. And guess what? They ate what they wanted to eat. You know, one of them had the avocado and pasta, the other one wanted the tomatoes and they kind of also snacked earlier in the day. So that was just what was dinner. It doesn't always have to be cooked, right? Like there's the overall picture. Sometimes it could just be scrambled eggs. Like your kids will be fine as long as it's foods you know that, that they'll eat. Um, it doesn't always have to be this like perfectly like cooked chicken with rice and broccoli. Although, you know, we're, we're talking about just the overall picture finding that balance. We're not, it doesn't always have to be this like ideal picture of dinner that we grew up to believe is like has to be dinner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It can be a peanut butter sandwich or the drive through and that's still taking care of your family.
1: For sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that.
0: Um, well, and you know, this, this letter has so many different directions. Um, what about some of the other things that this person's bringing up? What would you say are some steps to helping some of their other struggles?
1: Yeah. So one of the things she was saying is like, do you notice I don't ask myself what I would like to eat and don't even know how to answer that question. Um, And possibly also, because she's been just so disconnected with food and just remembering also that this comes back to the anger and the judgment is that that the more we're stuck in that place, the harder it will be to figure out what you like. Um, so again, practicing that self-compassion, but also when you do make dinner for your kids, um, rather than putting all this attention on just your kids, which is great and important. Um, but rather than getting hyper-focused on wanting it to be perfect for your kids, take a step back, start to get curious and say, you know, let me actually taste these foods for what they are. Do I like the food that I'm making my kids? Right. Um, That's right. There's an opportunity. And knowing that again, um, if you're making dinner and you realize that you prefer one food over the other, then maybe making like two foods, you know, your kids will for sure prefer. And then one that you like, because what I find sometimes happens is, and I had a client like this as well, where you become a short order cook And then that just becomes pressure and you're preparing your kids exactly what they like and then you what they like. And then it just becomes stressful. So, you know, finding that balance of starting to ask yourself, do I actually like the foods that I'm making for my kids? If you do, great. Um, If you find that you like other things, there can be a compromise, right? You're a family. We're all living together. Um, And so that's also one place where you can start just dinner time in letting yourself experience that food. And Asking yourself and knowing that it might take time to really figure out what you like, but the more you can be present and taste it and remove the stress of trying to get it perfect, the more you'll start to, to notice things and learn.
0: Yeah, there needs to be yeah, there needs to be like space to figure that part out. And that I think for those of us who are brought up with um, a caregiver who struggles with food peace and or maybe is in the throes of an eating disorder or just really values uh, certain body sizes, that's something that we don't get a chance to really watch is someone having pleasure with food. And mm-hmm. so we probably don't learn it as well. And so um, like we were saying earlier, too, I think like dinner time for some people, depending on their own like circadian rhythms. I know for me, I'm exhausted by dinner time, mm-hmm. so yeah. you know, it may be that dinner is just not going to be the most pleasurable meal for you, you know, and and maybe or maybe not have as much um, space to be able to connect, like and learn that part, you know. Um, and so there may be other opportunities. Like um, I'm hoping that this letter writer or anyone listening who can identify with them, like maybe they have a snack time or. Uh, another meal where they have more alone time where they can like experiment with different food and be like, Hey, I wonder if I like avocados. You mentioned them, you know, let me see yeah. if I like them. And, um, cause uh, yeah, it, it takes so much time in the intuitive eating space to like connect with like, what, what do you actually want? Cause like, you never know, yeah. got a chance to, to learn that part. And, um, you know, that's such a big part of, um, driving the like future behaviors is like what actually tastes good to me, you know, and what feels good like during and after. And, um, yeah, like that just, that takes time and space. And something else I think about too with that is sometimes in different seasons of our lives, we do different seasons of our life. We don't have space. Like we just, I think about like, yeah, toddler time and newborn time. And there's just certain times where like there just isn't. And so, like you said earlier, you know, we need to encourage flexibility, you know, Sometimes it's not going to be that pleasurable. <laughs> you
1: yeah, know, like, <laughs> and I love, I love that you brought that up actually, um, because just to take a step further in terms of trying things at other times of day, I actually find that it's and moms in general when I speak to them, it's hard to be mindful and really experience your food when you're at a table with kids. Whom, typically are not just sitting there relaxed, calm, like quiet. Like it's sometimes it could get hectic with dinner, depending, especially depending on the personality of your kids and their age. And so maybe for you it would be rather than putting a pressure on figuring it out during dinner, what if you found the meal that was most calm for you? And you're like, let me experiment at that time. Mm-hmm. And you could always, you know, have that food at dinner too. Like who said, there's a rule of, I have to eat this at lunch or that at dinner. Like you can eat, whichever food you want at whatever time. So maybe what you liked at lunch, when it was calm and quiet and you realized you liked it, you can start incorporating it at, at dinner. So just finding that time that works for you. Um, that and, and this is not just like, let's say whether you're a stay-at-home mom or working mom, like if let's say a stay-at-home mom, lunch is the best time for her to experiment. Um, let's just say, and, and let's say someone who's working during the day. Um, I had someone who, who told me she's like, I, I I really don't like lunchtime because I'm at work and I'm distracted. So lunchtime was not a good time for her to figure these things out. So just applying it individually to your life and figuring out where's that space where I can start to dedicate, like kind of set aside for myself to experiment with foods and see what I like. Right. Yeah.
0: And I, I can see how if we are so worried about doing it wrong for our kids, how that wouldn't that would get in the way of that work. And so yeah, really practicing that flexibility and um and letting yourself like not have to be so exactly correct in how you're raising your kids with <laughs> the food stuff that yeah because this person and anyone listening who like, acknowledges that their relationship with food is complicated because of how they're raised, like their awareness is already like light years ahead of the majority of the world. Yes. <laughs> they're oh already God. doing so many things that are different, you know?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading this. I'm like, you go, mom. Like, first yes. of all, give yourself all the compassion and also give yourself the biggest pat on the back because you're already, you know, 10 steps ahead, even though it doesn't Feel like it because there are just so many parents, um, and again, it's not the narrative they necessarily chose. Not to judge them or blame them, but there are so many parents who continue the damaging just the next generation with their own struggles. And so you're stopping that cycle. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. And you know you reached out here and sent this question. So you're looking for ways to move forward and. That itself is a huge accomplishment. Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, it's like going to set the stage for her children then to raise their children differently, and it's only going to yeah. it. I mean, think about generations down the line how it's going to be in a in a place where her future generation can do more in the world. Like it's just going to give them space to be able, yeah. to
1: like,
0: you know, um, help solve world peace.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Because we're not distracted by, you know, our bodies. Um, mm-hmm. We need to look a certain way or we need to eat perfectly. Oh, I could go on and on with this with you. And I, I think, um, I just think there's so much that this letter writer is experiencing that um, other people are going to relate to. So, um, but we need to kind of um, pivot a little bit. And uh, one thing that we have on the show is something called a food peace syllabus. And if you're new to the Love Food Podcast, the food peace syllabus is a collection of resources like other podcasts and blog posts and courses and anything under the sun that helps to further our food peace journey. And you can get access to the latest edition at juliedillenrd.com. And Rachel, what would you like to add to our syllabus?
1: Oh, this is great. I would love to add, um, I have a free three-day video crash course called Secrets to Stop Overeating and Binging. Um, And it's not in any way demonizing overeating or anything like that. You know, it's really about if you're eating in ways that feel out of control, if you are frustrated, if you're like this mom who's just, Feeling guilty and anger and judgment and all of that. It's giving you the fundamental steps to understand um, why it is you're eating this way. There's something so empowering about understanding um, the reasoning behind because it's not the food. It's, it's, you know, we know the difference. Most people know the difference between an apple and a donut. That's not, it's not the food. Um, So it's really getting to why you're eating this way and practical applications to resolve that, you know, remove the guilt, how to tune into hunger fullness, talk about emotional eating as well. Each day comes with um, a handout that you can download um, and practically personalize and apply it to your life. So, um, you know, you can get that and it's absolutely free when you sign up, you get immediate access. So Awesome.
0: I will yeah. put a link to that in the show notes for anyone listening. It sounds awesome. And um, if someone wants to know more about you and your podcast and the work you're doing, where's the best way for them to find you?
1: Okay, so I love to hang out on Instagram that's my favorite platform so you can follow me at dietitian.rachelgoodman and my podcast by the way um i actually am switching the name starting next week so i didn't say anything yet. yeah so it's going to be more than what you eat that's going to be the name of the podcast uh next week i'm just in the middle of switching it over so when people are going to be listening to this they're if they go to be on the phone they're not going to find it so <laughs> So, thank you for so, saying that. Then yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, um, more than what you eat podcast and my Instagram; those are just two great places to learn more. Yeah, awesome, and yeah, definitely. I love your Instagram. It,
0: it uh, you make really um, engaging kind of images. I like them so. Thank you. I will put all of those in the show notes so you can easily have access to all the things that Rachel's doing. And Rachel, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your compassion. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. This was great. I am, I'm really excited to have been on here. Um, And I appreciate that you thought of me. So thank you.
0: All right. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Letter Writer, for your note. And I hope the conversation that I just had with Rachel Goodman provided you some next steps. We are rooting for you all along the way. Seriously, we are. And we know that even just getting to the place where you are and your awareness has done so much for your family and for your future generations, and we hope that you connect with that that kind of truth, and it, it just helps you to further feel like you have the space and the power to continue your food peace journey. So I see food has written back, but before we get to that, if you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating or review. Or if you would like to support the show financially, you can check out the After the Letters project. You can get to it at patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast. There you'll connect with a way to get weekly mini episodes where we dive deeper into your own food piece issues and concerns and struggles and dynamics. And there's also other goodies you can pick up along the way. So get to it at patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast. All right. Until next time, take care. Dear Mom secretly searching for food peas. Our history has been muddled and trampled on by your caregivers. We understand why you need your space from us, why you divorced us. You were and are only trying to stay safe for you and your family. Recognize how impactful your awareness is, for you, your kids and your future generations. This impact only requires your awareness, not perfection. In the day-to-day, practice compassion and flexibility. Call out the perfectionism. Doing so will give you fuel and ease on your food peace journey. And it will give your family the space, security, and connection to joyfully be satisfied with food and their body. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.